This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Celebrate the holidays at Hale Varsity Club with an exciting lineup of holiday-themed events like Ugly Christmas Sweater Karaoke and Holiday Music Bingo, plus happy hour all day on New Year's Eve during college football bowl games. Hale Varsity Club has something for everybody. Stop in this month to try our new menu items like the Nashville Hot Honey Chicken, Crispy Breaded Wings, and the Benning Burger. It's a spicy burger named after Damon Benning. Visit HaleVarsityClub.com for the full event calendar and make a reservation now. You lead a busy life. The last thing you have time for is shopping, prepping, and cooking a healthy homemade meal. With Chef, enjoy authentic meals freshly prepared by the best local cooks in your community and delivered to your door. No prepping, no cooking, no subscription necessary. It's one less thing to worry about after a long day without sacrificing the quality of a homemade meal. Schedule your meals with a local cook at Chef.com. That's Chef with an S dot com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Shortcomings, a Sex and City podcast brought to you by The Dip, where we shoot the shit about every episode of the original show, the two movies, and now we are on to the next chapter, which is And Just Like That. I am your host, Smith Bush, and I am joined by my co-host, Chris Lewis. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I I'm tired as hell. So I... (laughs) I'm exhausted. I watched The Revival... At literally 4.30 in the morning. Okay, I did not set an alarm for this. I but did. But, like, my body truly woke me up at 3.01. It was like, your and body I've was And I've been basically like, up here. since then. Yeah, your body was telling you that the revival was here. It had is, is upon us. And my day off has basically become me running around between this show, dealing with, like, actual work. I'm yeah, like, it's I've got this like show, and we're, I'm holding a lot right now. Yeah. Going to see um, West Side well, really, Story in a few hours. I'm oh, like tired. God, you got a busy day. What are you Very. doing? Um, should we just give before we get into things a quick production update? Because I feel people are confused. And I do want to say, like, hold on, actually. Before we get into this, God bless everyone who listens to this podcast. But with the structure of how this is coming out, I did it for this one. Please do not message me anything about this show because, like, I am not waking up at 3 a.m. to watch every one of these episodes. People were like, have you seen it yet? And I was like, yeah, you know, some people are coming in with a few spoilers. I was like, thank God I've already watched this. Yeah, thank God. Because one thing you all must know about me, if I see one notification on my phone, I have to check it. I can't live with a little, like, pop-up one. So if you're sliding into Mm. my DMs, I will reply almost instantly. So You're available. I'm I'm Maybe both booked much. and busy and constantly available to everyone. If I'm running around, I'm happy to take a phone call. I've answered FaceTimes. You and I were talking about recently how I was doing two things at once and really shouldn't have been. Nope. We nope. Chris should not be doing two things at once. Ever, you should but... not be trying to end a relationship <gasps> with someone and sexting. Let's just no. put it there. And uh, do not confuse anybody. They were two separate people. Two separate people. I was sexting one person, 
and trying to navigate a breakup with the other. And let's just say succession, much like, you know, succession this week, dick pics were sent to wrong people. And yeah. Wow. 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 Not but back bad, to the production but... update. Yeah. Housekeeping. So for the next two weeks, you will get a regular season two episode. I believe we're going to cover the cast system and then evolution for the next two Wednesdays. And then you'll get the And Just Like That reaction episode on Friday. Then after that, just And Just Like That until we finish. So for two weeks, you guys have to listen to us twice. Or do as you please, like spread it out if you like. But they're coming yeah. at you. They're, they're coming at you fast. Life comes at you fast over here. Because we've recorded them and we're wanna, we want to get them to you, you know? Yeah, we want to get them to the people because we can't have them... We can't get into you in January because we're talking about things. It's just like it wouldn't it wouldn't work. Yeah, you guys would be like, wait, now you're talking about see like when we come back and talk about season two, it's gonna be so interesting because we'll be able to talk about this the thing we watched. In context, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So let's before just get we, into it. Actually, no, before we get into it, I oh. want to do one more thing. Okay. I think it is so important because after I watched the episodes, I scrolled onto Twitter, which was a disaster and a mistake, as it almost always is. And, you know, I think the response to this has been, from what I can tell, very positive in some reviews I've read, very negative in others. And certainly that was reflected in the Twitter dialogue. But I do feel like I don't have any desire to spend the next eight weeks shitting on this new thing because it is so different and we'll talk about it. And that's just not really what I don't think it would be enjoyable for us. I don't think it would be enjoyable for anyone to listen to. So I do just want to say, yes, we'll critique it, but I am trying to approach this show, this new version of Sex and the City with as much love as I can. It is incredibly different. So I just wanted to start with like five things I really, really genuinely liked. I'm excited to hear it. Before we get into it. And there are going to be critiques, I think, and also positives throughout. So I wanted to say that genuinely, I love the fact that this is a show about women over 50. (gasps) Thank you. And I thought that Michael Patrick King said something so smart in his New York Times piece. They're not going to make another show about women over 50 if it's not these women. There aren't a lot of shows getting greenlit about women over 50 who aren't characters we've already seen. So, yes, you know, we can talk about reboots and revivals and all of that and how we might be tired of them and we hold the originals so clear. But it was just nice to see older women on screen. And by the way, have those three women then highlight other older women. So we saw them. So that's great. Steve being deaf. To me, that's comedy. (laughs) Laughed every single time. It doesn't really fit into talking about the show in a serious manner as we get into it. So I was like, just up top, I want to say that bit. I hope it runs through every episode. What did you think of that? Well, I've been so curious. Let me make this clear to listeners, okay? Chris and I have not discussed this show. No, you texted me at like 5.15 and I was like, bitch, I have to take a nap. I have a meeting in like two hours. Yeah, you were like, please leave me the fuck alone. I see you at 1.30. You and I haven't discussed the show, which is really rare for you and I because usually like we're texting about an episode or whatever. This was like, we are saving it all for the podcast. I'm so excited. So to hear your thoughts right off the top like this, I'm just so excited. So when you said the thing about Steve... Not it just was making hear. me laugh. 
It's kind of funny. Oh, and by the way, I did DM David Eigenberg. So we'll see if he come on the pod. What did you say? I just said, look, you're making me laugh. You're a comedy king. Come on the pod. He's my, he's my baby We boy. love Steve. So, I did not tell him of my impression of him. Good. Even and though I it is famous. Then another thing I loved, I thought the music was so well-placed. I loved how they picked up music from the first movie. That kind of, I, I don't know if the piece has a name, but it's basically what I would call the Big and Carry music. Yes. And it was making, it was just so like the minute I heard it and that music isn't in the first, isn't in the original run of the show to my memory. And so the minute I heard it, I was like, oh, this is so good. And I thought just placed throughout, it was musically really pleasing. I thought Mm -hmm. the needle drop at the end of the first episode, calling back to the original, the run of the original show was great. I hope they continue to do those needle drops just because that's not something I really think of from the original series is having music at the end of each episode. Right. So it was just nice to hear that. Yeah, because usually it goes to that, dude, they're like little music. Yeah, like the the show. Yeah, um, with the exception of um, The Real Me, where they go out with um, the Got to Be Real by Patti LaBelle. The other thing I really loved, the women's performances. I thought they were all really locked in to who the characters are right off the bat. It didn't feel like they needed to play catch up, um, not to relate this to Grey's Anatomy, but they've over the last two years, have had a lot of cameos of original cast members. And it was nice to see actors jump back into beloved characters and then be actually who they are and feel like them. Did you feel that way? I definitely did, specifically about Charlotte. Great. Like, I thought Charlotte she was amazing. Charlotte felt very Charlotte to me. Like, Kristen Davis did a great job there. It just was so good. And yes, they've grown and they're they're changed, but they felt like just evolved versions of the characters we love, not like yeah. these new people who've just been dropped in. And of course, that's a credit to the writers also, but I do think it's a real credit to the actors and how much they love and know these characters. Mm-hmm. Then the last thing I'll say I really, really loved is, guys, it's just new. It felt so great to watch an episode of Sex and the City and not know what was going to happen. I loved it. Like, there was a moment where Miranda is standing outside of a bar and looking at her reflection. And I thought for a second, oh, is she going to go in this bar and see Steve for the first time? Like, is that what we're setting up? And of course, that's not what happened. But it was such a nice moment of me leaning in. Because for the first time since the second movie, which was, I believe, 11 years ago... We don't know where this is going. Right. So it's just nice that it's new. And so I just wanted to really start with the things I loved before we even begin to critique anything. Because I just think we should all be very happy that this happened. It's like a small miracle. So I want to go back to the joy and the fun we all had when the first movie came out. And it was like, oh, we're just spending more time with the girls. And let's focus on that. Although I'm sure we'll have critiques. No, I agree. I'm sure we'll have critiques, of course, but I really overall, I felt really happy watching it, even though there was like some sad parts. I think like, just like you said, like getting to spend more time with these characters is something that I just really am enjoying. And I'm happy that we're back. I'm happy they're back. I'm I'm very, very pleased with it. Because like you said, the writers, I think, did a great job at like, not making them how they should be in 2021, but how their characters would have evolved into 2021. Exactly. So before we get into specifics, I feel like we have to hit three general things. Okay. And this is one of my critiques of it. All right. I so do we're not get into that. love 
this opening title card they're doing where just the words come across the screen. I feel disoriented. I don't like it. I feel like I need, I don't know, Sex in the City to me feels like it needs, I need something to ease me into the world. I need to see a little, a little mini movie. And of course I didn't want them to just throw right like the old opening credit scene, but it's like that scene is so iconic. And I get the idea of we can't top it, so let's just not try. But a part of me wish they tried. I mean, I was like genuinely, and when the first episode started, like grabbing my like bed, I was like, what's happening? Where are we? <laughs> That's how I felt with the second episode, actually. Oh, well, because, the way that second well, episode started was a <laughs> shock. <laughs> from going from like the end of the first into how the second, I was like, dare they go from Big's minute. death to Brady I fucking. I needed a fucking minute. I, from going from big, I need a, tr- I need a trigger to warning. That fish tank to that fish tank shot in the opening. I was like, and him saying, What's "Ride happening? me, cowboy." I mean, this is a child we saw born. Oh my! <laughs> I felt like I had stepped on one of his condoms. <laughs> it was so upsetting. And then within that, how did you feel about no voiceover, with the exception of very critical moments at the end? I didn't mind it because it is a new show. So they're taking stuff from the old one and putting it into a new spin. They're putting a new spin on it, which is fine. But I, when I read your note about that, I was like, okay, I, now that you're saying it now, I kind of miss it, but yeah, I actually, well, as I, as much as I missed the B, the opening credits, I didn't really miss the voiceover at all. And it made the ending of the first episode so impactful and we'll get there. But when you do hear her, I was like, oh, wow, that was a very good choice. I did wonder if then in the next one, we would get it again. We would go back to the traditional format and they had just held it for that moment. That was so powerful. Can you imagine if they brought back the, the our favorite thing, the talking to the camera? Honestly, it would be such a flex like, and a troll that I wish they had. I would have, like, for like one episode, I would have been into it. Like if Carrie was interviewing people on the street. Yeah. They like, should have just done it one time. Like she's standing on the street talking to someone, but it's framed almost like a, one of the original like talking heads. But then the camera pans around to her and we see it's an actual conversation. Just as a little nod. I actually would have really, that would have like sent me, my head funny? would have exploded off I its body. I would have fucking died. Like it would have been so funny if all of a sudden they were like, they were doing these like talking heads. That would have just made me laugh. Or just like at well, I don't want to say it. I, I love that I'm the trend. By the oh, we should have set up top as another programming note. This is a spoiler podcast. Don't listen to this if you have not watched it. Yeah. Don't. Obviously. So, Samantha, what did you think? What did you think of that choice? Uh, uh, How did like- you feel the show did with her absence? I mean, this is the number one thing I'm seeing on Twitter. People are not. It's like people didn't know. They really thought she was going to like pop in. They're like, where the fuck is Samantha? I'm like, guys. Like, do you read the fucking you news? Not pay- She's I, not- this isn't even something that I feel like you should know because you're like, we're too clued in and paying attention to everything. I feel right. like that's been pretty out there. Very, very out there. Also, what I loved about how they handled the Samantha is they left the door open for her to come back. Like, if Kim Cattrall ever decided that she was going to get over this issue... And you know, they first of all, I don't think she should. I'm not saying she should. I'm just saying if she decides, 
that's available to her. And I think that that was really great. And I like that they got it out of the way right out of the gate. Like Betsy von Muffling was the very first, one of the very first people we saw in the revival Chris. Honestly, I felt I got more of a look at her than Miranda. I was like, I was like, oh, we're here. I was like, wow, first scene? Yeah, very, right off the top. Right off the top, you got Betsy. The only thing I'll say about the app, I think that the idea is very strong and i completely agree great to leave the door open respectful of us as fans to not like have her fall down an elevator shaft i just thought okay great i would make two notes and i hope that they address this throughout the show okay it is absolutely credible for samantha to want to move i thought that bitsy saying at one point oh women in their 60s do better over they are that wasn't just a little like i mean think about how important sex is to samantha but also her career right so if she's in a New York City that isn't that no longer finds her viable, why would she remain there? And then you have on the heels of that a friend firing you. I don't think it's just Carrie fired her and she left. I think we're and we have to intuit a bit more because the character of Samantha's not there to explain this. But for me, I thought, oh, this is a woman who's getting older. Her sex and sexuality has been so important to her, and that's not as available here. And then her work. We know from earlier episodes there are girls ready to push her out the door as a PR, working in PR and publicity. So if she wants to go and find her value and worth somewhere else, that's a perfectly fine storyline. And the other beat that I would then change, I wish that Carrie had been lying about texting her. That when we see her on, when we see the text messages later, I I was really hoping that that would be the first text message we see. So that it would add a little bit more nuance rather than it just being Carrie's reaching out and Samantha's not replying. I thought it would have been great that this was the first point of contact was Samantha sending those flowers and Carrie saying, you're well, thank you. I would have loved that. And then it would be great that. that she's hiding the truth from mm-hmm. her friends. Which, which is a very we know that thing bitch to does. Do. <laughs> we know Carrie loves to do that. So that's the only thing. So again, that's just like a little critique. I thought it was a little sloppy to just have it be almost Samantha's fault. We could have nuanced that a bit. Yeah, I agree. But while we can't get into specifics, I do think we got to talk about it up top. Oh, okay. Pour one out for our homie. <gasps> Cancel your Peloton subscription. Fuck you, Cody Rigsby. Allegra. Now, if Allegra is a real instructor, she, her mentions are... The person that plays her is a real instructor. Okay, but Allegra's not her name? No. I hope people aren't... I really hope, like... Because you know the beehive... uh, The big hive? We ride at midnight. Rise up. Who is this bitch? Somebody send me her at, because... (sighs) What'd you think? we, We knew. We knew... You and I knew. We knew it was coming. We didn't know how. We didn't know when. I didn't know. I I wasn't sure. And then Allison, who works at the Dip, saw the trailer and or the preview, or it was like something very recent that came out. And Big was on the Peloton, and she goes, "That's what's going to take him. It's going to die." I do appreciate. And look, I had many people reach out to me like, "He's going to die on that Peloton." And I was like, guys, well, let's wait till we see it. Well, I also... No, I knew the Peloton was going to be a part of it. What I did not want, and I'm glad we did not get, is is that he just, like, slumped off the Peloton and died. Right. Like, I was really fearing just watching him mid-spin just, like, croak over. 
Chris, I was genuinely concerned for you when I was watching this. <sighs> Look, I, I cried. I, I was heard. not okay. You know, fuck it. Should we just talk about it? The scene? Yeah, we can get into this. This is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. I think for a very long time, right, the most impactful acting-wise many people would point to of Sarah Jessica Parker is, I knew you would do this to me on the street in the first movie in The Wedding Dress. She has said it was one of the best scenes she's ever played in her life. We all loved it. I cried in that theater. I cried every time I saw it. Thought about doing it to many men I'd seen on the street, just on the street. I just grabbing flowers and hitting them, screaming, I knew you would do this to me. And they'd done nothing. This is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. The eye connection that they have, the way she pauses as if she can't almost believe what she's seeing. And then it finally clicks in and she screams his name. Oh, the shoes in the shower, the wedding shoes in the shower. It was so intense. And he does this thing. And I, because I watched the episode a few times already. <laughs> well, I mean, I've seen it at least four times. Yeah. Um, guys, it's only been out a few hours. That's so nuts. <laughs> There's this moment where he like is looking at her and just the slight corner of his mouth curls up. Like he's happy that she's there and like he got to see her like one last time. I'm, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I was emotional. I was really emotional. And it's like, Guys. it's like he waited for her. And then he knew he could go. Yeah. I thought it was just, first of all, I thought their shower was wonderful. I wish I, I wish I could hang out in there. Their entire apartment was beautiful. Beautiful. Um, and I will just before we before we get into the episode, I will yeah, just read you one note. Ah, uh, yeah, guys, I think we're here. Think I'm, by the way, I've like got tears in my eyes. <laughs> Chris is fully crying. We're gonna get to a part I that wrote, made me cry harder, actually, than the big thing. But ooh, but yeah. I wrote LOLs. First, Lily ruined their wedding, and now she's killing big. Oh. Just the just the way that it was cut between Lily and Big, I was like. This bitch ruined their wedding, okay, and now Lily. she, now she's being intercut in in the death of this man. Wow! I wish that, the cupcake me. purse had been a part of this scene, also. But I don't know how they could have gotten that in there. Wow, that would that would have been real. I'd, I had to go to a happy place just to stop myself from crying. I was not okay. First of all, I'd only slept four hours. Right. Okay. So you were a little sleepy. So I was sleep deprived, sobbing uncontrollably, and just I thought that bitch Lily really hates big. Yeah, surely got him. Got him this time. One last time. Chris, you're right, visibly distraught. Do you want to take a minute? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Okay. I mean, I'm not okay, but okay. Well, I'm okay. We're going we're gonna to talk about the whole episode. We're going to, you know, it's we'll work through it. You know what, honestly? Let's take a little break. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my bearings. You lead a busy life. The last thing you have time for is shopping, prepping, and cooking a healthy homemade meal. With Chef, enjoy authentic meals freshly prepared by the best local cooks in your community and delivered to your door. No prepping, no cooking, no subscription necessary. It's one less thing to worry about after a long day without sacrificing the quality of a homemade meal. Schedule your meals with a local cook at Chef.com. That's Chef with an S dot com. 
we open, we're waiting for the girls to sit down for lunch. We see fucking Bitsy. We get the news about Samantha. And then we really begin a conversation right at the top about age and aging. And I think I just want to start with Charlotte, because I feel like that's really her scene in some way. She's the driving factor there. And she's really dealing with her own issues of aging. Yeah. And projecting them on to poor Miranda, who looks fantastic. Oh, never loved I love the gray hair. Loved it. Loved it. But through Charlotte, we meet Lisa Todd Wexley. Oh. What'd you think? Fucking gorgeous. A queen. Like, she walked into that lunch, and I was like, she belongs on this show for eternity. Like, where the fuck has she been? Where has she been? Where has she been? Where the fuck has she been? I find her so beautiful. So... And magnetic. Yes. Like, I'm a... Like, I'm so... Like, I want to be in her world. Like, I'm very... She bounced over and said, whose fries are these? I was like, God love I don't give a fuck if they're cold. I thought, this is a... This is a star. A fucking star. I love the fact that she is introduced to someone who is obviously fashionable and has access to fashion, Mm -hmm. um, is clearly able to see instantly that Charlotte has spent a lot of money on clothing. I can't remember where the dresses were from. I think Louis. But when Carrie... Oscar de la Renta. Oscar de la Renta. Yeah. When Carrie says, I like your bracelet, she notes that the bracelet isn't from a high fashion place. It's from basically, I would imagine, almost like an Etsy shop. So she's giving high-low. She's one of Vogue's internationally best-dressed women. I was just ready for the camera actually to leave those three women and just follow Lisa Todd Wexley. I was like, well, what's going on at that table? Well, you know what I I was like craning my neck to see what's, what's over there. Well, when I first saw her and her and Charlotte, how, you know, Charlotte knows her, I was like, Chris was right because you had assumed when we were making like our theories that she lived in Charlotte's building. And while I don't think she lives in Charlotte's building, right? Well, I think I'd seen that in the promo. I don't think I was assuming it. Oh, I was like, I was watching it. I was like, Chris is a genius. No, I think I, I think I'd gotten that information from, you know, the the promo reels that we all saw and were available to everyone. Okay, well, I must have missed No, that. I'm clairvoyant. Yeah, I was like, okay, no, Sir Thomas. Um, yeah, I really, I was captivated by her. I really enjoyed her. And I like that, she, like you said, she did the high-low thing with the fashion. It was, like, very fun. Um, we meet her husband, Herbert, later, who I thought was gorgeous. Broadway actor Christopher met Jackson. Her, met her mother-in-law. Okay, her mother-in-law is giving star. She needs her own show. Immediately. Get her on I love people. One of my favorite tropes in all things is people who are decidedly unimpressed. Like she met Lisa Todd Wexley and was like, nope, I don't like you. I never will. It's very Emily Gilmore. Just I, That's just one of my you know favorite things. It's just people who are like, yeah, you will never win me over. You know who she's like? She's like Bunny. Another character I absolutely love. I and was hoping we'd see in this revival, but I'm not sure if she's. I don't um, think she made it. Still with us. Oh, an me, me Just an actor. Yeah. I'm sure Bunny within the world is still alive, terrorizing women. Yeah. <laughs> but to kind of follow on to Charlotte's theme overall, because I don't really think, I mean, I think Kristen Davis is phenomenal in these two episodes. Mm-hmm. So funny and real. And I, I really do want to say I agree that she's the most dropped in to the character. But I do wonder if that is because she's the one that's also the most similar. Like, her life hasn't really changed. Yeah. And a lot of that is because 
Charlotte in some ways got exactly what she wanted. Yeah. We've already seen her journey. Her journey truly ended almost at the first movie where she was able to give birth naturally to a daughter. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think we're going to be seeing some real issues. Um, we've oh, laid yeah. bare to the Rose is not Rose was a nightmare in the first movie. Second movie. Second sorry. Movie. Crying up a storm, just ruining lives with her no bra nanny. And now there's a world in which we are meant to, I don't know, I certainly did, but I don't know if that's my lens, read Rose's queer, gender non-conforming at least, her resistance to wanting to wear this dress. She come, Or are we to read it right? Carrie seems very happy when she sees her and likes what she's done with it. So there's also another reading that she's just pushing back against her mother's traditional clothing and mm-hmm. worldview. What did you think of Lily and Rose when you saw them? I was like, I thought I Lily was so cute. So cute with her and, I was and Richard so, Burton, the, the dog. When they said that dog's name, I was like, God damn it. They did it again. I'm they crying. <laughs> and, when, and when Charlotte comes that. over and says, you rescued me, I thought that was so sweet. And I like that so Lily has sweet. a bit of a sense of humor. I loved it. And I loved like... There was a shot of the entryway, like foyer table, where like so many moments have happened at that in that foyer. Like Carrie and Charlotte got into it about. Remember that guy who just wandered around Charlotte's apartment, going, "Wow, wow, yeah. whoa, wow, wow, whoa. you got money, wow." Whoa. She was like, what do you do? I live in a one. I will live in a one bedroom with two guys. Wow, that guy was. He's one of my favorite like we, boyfriends of the week. <laughs> so ridiculous. I just love like, that his whole, wow, wow. Does it keep going? <laughs> I love that. My ex was a teacher. What was but the ex? I, like an oil baron? I loved seeing Harry. Like that felt really nice because, I, you know, like I, I thought for a Christine. 57-year-old lawyer, Jewish lawyer on skates, Harry's keeping it right and tight. I thought he looked better. Did you? I did. I was, Harry was getting me good. <laughs> With the helmet? Yeah, I thought, okay, that was making me laugh. Yeah. Guys, again, I watched this episode for the first time at 3.02 a.m. Yeah. I don't, everything was making me laugh. Yeah, and then crying. Then I was crying, but I've also seen it three other times, and I loved Harry in this when he comes yeah. in um, right before the funeral and he says, how are the Golden Blats? And he's like, he's just a good dad and he's a good husband. He's and such they a like dad. That. He's such a dad and like him and Charlotte, I like that they're still like happy together. And like, I, I like love that when they at the recital, that. he takes the hat off Rose when they, he finally notices it. I mean, Harry's just, he's such a mensch. He's such a good dad. I do think, and I think we talked about this with Jennifer Armstrong, right? Charlotte's been through so much. They really cannot touch that. Like if, I don't know what I would do if we go the route of telling a marital problem story between Charlotte and Harry. I, I don't want upset. it. I don't like it. I just don't think that that's something that we need. Like, I don't think like I'm more interested in Charlotte navigating, like raising daughters and having a really good husband than like her losing Harry. And like, I would just, it would be too much for me with her. Do you think in terms of Rose that that's going to be a source of tension moving forward that we're threading the needle there and it's going to continue throughout the next eight episodes? Yes. A (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I don't know how it couldn't. It would seem completely superfluous to have into, to have told yeah. that story. Now, the next thing in the second episode, poor Shashar is really going through it because she blames herself for Big's death, which is 
bonkers. It was giving very movie one where Miranda is worried that she is the reason that Carrie and Big don't get married. However, I appreciate that they didn't go the route because we've already done it. That Carrie's like, no, this is not like, I'm not playing this game with you. No, she's like, shut the and fuck up. And actually what's annoying to me is that you need to stop crying. Yeah. She's like, please stop crying. Like, this is like, you're making this about you and it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. I thought that moment in the funeral home. Oh, yeah. When they were trying to like figure out a funeral situation. Yes, I thought that was so great. And it felt like classic Sex in the City in the sense that it's them having a personal moment, but then they create this weird dynamic of dating between the mortician and Carrie, where she mistakes Carrie, but then they have like a basically a breakup where Carrie has to say, it's not you, it's me. I just wish, I thought it would have been a bit funnier if they just sat in that scene a bit longer and threaded a bit more the dating, the idea of dating, this the if Carrie and her had had some more repartee to get us to the it's not you it's me it came a little too quick but I did like the idea of bringing dating into this strange and obviously sad situation yeah and I really like I I really was very captivated by what everyone was wearing like I took very oh we're gonna get the, I, I, I did no, not think we'd have so much to talk about in the fashion, but we yeah, do. But we do. I have a lot to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, you know, I think I'm excited to see like where Charlotte and her family go in the rest of the season. Where do you think, and how do you think Charlotte and Lisa Todd Wexley will continue to engage with each other? Do you think that's a friendship that's burgeoning, or are we going to see a bit of a rivalry there because of their? schooling their kids aren't the same age they're just in terms they're just going to the same piano teacher yeah unless lisa todd wexley has an older child that is closer in age to lily and rose what i think will happen is charlotte i think has this built-up idea of who lisa todd wexley is and is like always jumping the gun a little bit when it comes to like oh you know sorry my friend miranda has wine and but Lisa's like, oh, can I have some? Like that's a cool thing to do. And then I think Charlotte will be surprised at how like down to earth this woman actually is. You know what I would love to see? A friend jumping storyline. Oh. Like Lisa Todd Wexley jumps and becomes close to Carrie and Miranda. Yeah. That'd be interesting. And we've already almost seen that Charlotte is on the outs. Yeah. Um, and I I want to talk in depth about the hallway scene later. Okay. But I actually think that would be a really interesting, fun story if all of a sudden, right, Charlotte was to be invited after Lisa Todd Wexley to, say, the diner for brunch. Because we've, she's, Charlotte's triggered right now. She's very, she's going through something. She's like, where she's going through something that's a little bit more hidden and tucked away than like what we're clearly seeing Miranda go through. Okay, let's, let's talk about Miranda. Let's talk about Miranda. She's going through, she's going through a tough time. And because we started, I wanted to start with like the good stuff with Miranda, but it seems we're going to start with the tough stuff. How do we feel about a Miranda alcoholism story? Thank you. I, when I saw this, I was like, they're doing something with this, right? Like, I was like, something has to Oh, they're to doing be... something and they are beating us over the head with it. Yes. It, like, I, I clocked it right when she was at the bar and it was 1045. I was like... What's going and that's on? when I was like, okay, couldn't we have just also seen her at a bar at 11 a.m.? That would be just as concerning than right. if, the fact it's that the she's fact willing that to she wait waited. 15 minutes. 
Exactly. Although to be fair, like, you know, I'll look, although she's not on vacation, I was going to say on vacation, I'm willing to start drinking immediately. Yeah, she was about to start school that day. <laughs> yeah, she, she was, was doing literally the about to go to class. And then, of course, they we see it again at the funeral where she demands whiskey, which I thought was a bit tough. Although I found that bartender to be fairly judgmental. She was, but I think the point was... It's like, it's your make- job to pour her some alcohol. Pour it. Right. She was like, I'm family. You're going to pour me a drink right now. I was like, oh, okay. But then the woman was kind of like, Oof. it's like, bitch, I don't think this is the first time you've poured an alcoholic a drink. Just yeah. pour it and let's move on. I wonder, like, what that's about. Because I don't remember this being a thing with her ever. Well, we would show. never have gone to alcoholism in the first show. You don't <laughs> like, think? Not in our cat and candy wish fulfillment world. No. no. And I don't think in Abu Dhabi we were going to get that storyline. There was too much else going on. There was to just really... so much story to tell in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> So much for us to focus so on. Much in the suck. We had to deal with Lawrence of Mylabia and oh my remember God. when they sang a song? Oh, I do. I remember it all. Liza Minnelli had to perform. I mean, it was basically a musical. <laughs> um, look, I'm all for giving Cynthia Nixon a million things to do. It just frankly feels it feels a little tough because I'm so excited to just spend time with the girls again. I'm not sure I want to spend time with them in a dark place. I know. I know. And of course, we're in a dark place because one of our beloved characters is dead. <laughs> but dead. that, to me, breezed by compared to Miranda Drink uh, potentially being an alcoholic. I was far more worried about this. Well, the issues that are being brought up in this revival are a lot deeper and a lot darker than issues that we ever touched on in the first like series. And I say that drinking a gorgeous Sauvignon Blanc right now. <laughs> um, I, you know, and I don't think... I was ready for that, if we're being honest. Like, I was like, oh, oh, we're getting into that. Like, all I thought about when I was thinking about the revival and I was hearing rumors about what was going to be happening is that Big was dying and Samantha wasn't being there. I never accounted for what Miranda might be going through. I never even thought, I I really have to be honest, I never thought about it like that. I think even when we tried to do predictions, we were like, Miranda's hanging out. She might be a lesbian. Well, because there's also this like resurgence, right? Of like people online being like, I'm a Miranda, be a Miranda. So it's like, I think we built her up in our mind as like this perfect how how everyone and every woman well, I don't know should... you and I have basically called her like a bitch multiple times well no <laughs> in the first... but well the first couple episodes and in the first couple seasons, I know and also we use the word at least I do I use it quite lovingly yeah but I mean I just think that that's you know like with the every outfit on sex and city Instagram it's like be a Miranda be a Miranda so just see our beloved Miranda, who I think we thought would be very different in this revival, clearly going through something and struggling. And also, I, I just don't think I I was ready for that. No, I was not. I was not ready or expecting a potential Miranda really struggling with alcohol addiction. Now, look, we don't know. We The story could turn around, but it certainly feels like between her drinking before class her demanding alcohol before public speaking. Doing the wine in which the Which we've never really seen before. And then also bringing the wine. No, that actually I was fine with. That was, I too would have blitzed. I know, I but like. I would have been context. on a flask, but that layered on top of the other two yeah. things felt a little suspect. Yeah, definitely. But overall, Miss Hobbs Esquire is back at school. She's quit her job in corporate law 
and she's getting a master's degree, I believe, in human rights. Mm-hmm. And through her, we meet another, to me, icon, <laughs> Dr. Naya Wallace. I'm obsessed with her, Steve. I'm obsessed. First of all, look, and I'm just going to say this, and I don't want to hear anything from all anybody right. white who listens to this. <laughs> okay. Okay. They've put these two black women on this show, and it's putting these other women to, to shame. <laughs> it's like just looking at like mm-hmm. goddesses and then like worms. <laughs> and I say that with all respect to these white women, who I also think are gorgeous, stunning, yeah. beautiful goddesses of white people. Mm-hmm. But we just have to admit when. I saw Dr. Nia Wallace. I was like, this is just not fair. I would be so fucking pissed if they cast these two women. By the way, if you put me next to those two women, you would be like, oh, there are two human beings and then some kind of pig standing on its hind feet. (laughs) No, you're, I mean, seriously? It's just like two of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. Ever seen. I just genuinely like... Was not in, and I will say, like I know a ton about Nicole Ari Parker and her work. I had not, I was not necessarily as immersed in the work of Karen Pittman. Never had seen her before. I'm obsessed. The vibe, the outfit, the Adidas pants, the outfit. Woo! Screams. When I saw her on the, like the subway platform, I was like, I love this bitch. I love this woman. I love the way her. she breezed in there and. We can talk about that very awkward scene of Miranda. Which one, Chris? Well, the first one, when Miranda assumes she's a student. It's not great. No, but I'm going to say something about Miranda and this whole Uh situation that's going on. All right. Take down a timestamp in case we need to cut this. (laughs) I think it's very relatable. And I like that they, they showed that. Because I think so many people feel the way that Miranda or they have done the things that Miranda has done or said. And, like, they do it out of, like, goodness. But it comes off, like, batshit crazy. Particularly on the heels of a 2020, right? And we do have to create a context for this, particularly in Miranda's story. I think we are to absolutely believe these characters in our are in 2021, we're in a post-pandemic world, and that the racial reckoning we experienced in this country and around the world, although not that much came from it, but that's gossip for another day, they all experienced. We know for a fact that, for example, Miranda saw heard about the Muslim ban, so we are to believe by it, right? Mm-hmm. And we should talk about this. Donald Trump was president in this world, someone who these women somewhat know and yeah. have somewhat talk, relationship to and who's been on the show so has interacted with at least samantha it, it was the president of the united states so that had to be a mind fuck for them mind fuck so miranda is trying and we should always give credit to those that are trying but that scene was so fucking awkward in the classroom to me then of course when she's trying to help dr naya wallace get through the, the guard the and she mm-hmm. tells her like you gotta chill did you need to do that yeah, she was like, did you need to do all of that? Because it was weird. She's like, you're making it weird. And I was like, I just think that it was really important to see that being portrayed that way. Because I think it helps the conversation in general. Like, I think it will help, like, especially women who probably are the same age as Miranda now that watched the show back then. Who, you know, like, for example, like my mom or something. Like, I think it just really, 
I, I really, as intense as it was and as like cringy as I was feeling, and it felt like during the family stone when like Sarah Jessica Parker was like doing the most at that table. Remember? Yeah, I actually just watched the family stone last night and we're going to talk about the family stone later. But I do want to okay. say about that scene in the family stone. I am not a hundred percent sure that Meredith is completely wrong. Now she goes off the rails when she says, wouldn't you want a normal child? No, no, no. I meant like how I felt watching it. Like oh, it was okay. like that cringy, like, oh my God, like just shut up. Like you're making this like so much worse. Like Absolutely. that's how I felt watching it. And I was like, oh Jesus Christ, here we fucking go. And then she's on the subway platform and she's like talking to her about the Muslim man and she's like shouting over this guitarist. And Dr. Naya Wallace is like, I just got off the phone with my fucking husband talking about IBS. And I liked And by the way, her husband, gorgeous. Know, stunning. So hot. Chef's kiss. I, is, I like that we're seeing... I mean, we fit so much in these episodes. Like, now we're seeing a little bit of her life, a little bit of LTW's life. And what like, we should say, right, is that these episodes are longer, which I love. Yes. They're for, they're for, their first one was around 44. I think the second one was 42. Mm-hmm. Loving the extra content. I mean, these are, these are about 20 minutes longer than the original episodes, which 15 to 20, which is amazing. And I was like, mm, mwah, mwah, more. Succession's like an hour and 15 minutes long. Give me that. Yeah, yeah. I really do appreciate that this storyline of Miranda attempting to do better, but having this counterbalance. And it's something I talked about with a friend about Grey's Anatomy the past few seasons, because I am seeing people online saying, first and foremost, our Miranda would know better than to be this. The writers are ruining her. And I'm like, um, in what world in the original show or the two movies we've seen did Miranda behave like anything other than a privileged white woman? Like, we... Yes, she dated a black man, but she never asked him about his blackness. She never, like, they never had a conversation about it that we saw. She fetishized him a bit and used his black. Well, I guess that it was more the show, not really Miranda. Yeah. Like saying, oh, he's a hot black doctor and Steve had a tampon in his nose, which is frankly one of my favorite scenes. (laughs) Thank God she did not mention, I fucked a black doctor once. Oh, my God. (laughs) Or like, imagine? hey, do you do you know Dr. Robert? I would, I would get him in the revival. Honestly. Touch base with Dr. Robert. But I think that it is, as you, I think as you said, it's so great to have the story there. But I also think it yeah. is incredibly true. And what I was saying about Grey's Anatomy is because I've seen some people say the scenes aren't well written. I think you have to think about the fact that we are now as a culture far more explicit about matters of race that there are certain white people who would say things like, I was reading how to be anti-racist and I thought that this was helpful. Yes, that sentence feels on the nose, but as a black person, I have white people have said that to me. Like we, in our effort to correct the problems of racism in this country, we have become frank about issues of race and class and gender. And that's a good thing. And sometimes it can feel preachy and very law and ordery when it's done on TV. But in this case, I felt that these were the right two characters in the right setting to have these more explicit conversations. So it felt natural to me where in other shows I've been like, this is just poorly written. Come on guys. Yeah, I know. I do. And I agree. And I like that Miranda, like she saw something that was going on and she saw her role that she played in things that have happened and she's like I want to correct that and I want to learn and I want to grow and like to touch on what we talked about in the very beginning about how these women are over 50 and we're seeing them you know 
I think it's really important that we're watching women who are in their 50s changing their life and learning and growing and changing a career and going back to school. And I think it's like so important as a woman to see that and to know that like your life isn't over at 50. Like you don't have to stay in law if you don't, if that's not what you want. It's certainly not corporate law. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I want to close out Miranda saying two things. I did think it was a little, you know, come on, Dr. Nye Wallace, just correct my queen. When Miranda labels her classmate as him, that person says, oh, pretty quick with the pronouns. Dr. Nia Wallace says, it's fine. Well, I don't think it's on Dr. Nia Wallace to reply for that person. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. But I think it was like, well, hold on. We can't have that conversation. But I did think, all right, well, we got to, you know, give space to this person to tell their story. And then in terms of moving forward with Miranda, what I would love to see is a story in which she begins to turn her interest in social justice not on to how she can be an ally to Black folks, but correct her white friends. She's going to have to have a conversation, perhaps with Carrie and Charlotte, about perhaps why they aren't interested in this topic. What are they doing to prop up white supremacy in some ways? How has Carrie's work excluded people? Charlotte's a rich white woman. Are they donating to the right organizations? Are they voting correctly? Is Carrie voting? Well, you and I have discussed this. We're like, is she going to That bitch has never voted. I don't think she knows what a voting booth is. No. I think maybe she voted in 2020 because it was sent to her house. I I genuinely don't think she voted in 2016. There was a sale. No. I think, okay, I want your thoughts on what her relationship potentially is going to be like with Che. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Um, Great scene. Love. I was obsessed. So we should talk about, like, right, Miranda is, while she's exploring this great new experience, she's also seemingly really struggling as a parent. She's stepping on condoms. I mean... Steve is dead. I I just have to say, shout out to all the parents out there. Are kids... Are 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 17-year-olds really fucking in their house like that? Do they not have to run around anymore? I was shook. I think she's probably of the camp of, like... I he's going to do it so he should just do it here but i don't think louisa needs to be spending the night i don't think we need to be banging the headboard i also think it's disrespectful to have sex that loud i for anyone but i think it also (laughs) plays into like the immaturity of them like they think that that's how you have sex i know but like have sex like that when you when your parents are home it's nighttime your parents are trying to get sleep your bed is like next you're next door to them yeah but then we see in the preview, too, that, like, she's struggling with her relationship with Steve. And, I mean, that's obvious. I think that Steve and her have always had a really good, like, solid foundation. I don't think... Except for when he cheated. Oh, my God. Here we go. I can't believe Miranda. I escaped this. Meet me okay. on the bridge. <laughs> By the way, we're while we're in Miranda land, his accent is even crazier. Crazy. Thank you for saying <laughs> when that. When he was in the closet, shout out in to David closet. Eigenberg, please come on this podcast. I, I could like, not understand him. I, I was like, who is he? Like, what is it? It sounded boy? like they had hired me to do like some ADR. <laughs> I, Miranda, so, I don't want to go to the funeral. He shouldn't have been on that Peloton bike. Uh, no, I'm so glad you said that. But I liked that sweet moment like where, you know, they did get Brady to come over and like they all hugged. I, I know that, that I cried. <laughs> Right there too. Oh my god. Okay. Um, when when Steve touches his head, you know what part also I always cry at in the first movie? 
What? When Steve and Brady are sleeping in bed together and are posed the same way, for some reason, it's so I, cute When they're to both me. sleeping like this. Yeah, and so that cute. was a great cue for a you know an audio podcast. I'm sure everyone really enjoyed that pose. <gasps> Drag me. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I really, I, I'm excited to see where Miranda's story takes me. Or takes I, us. I do think where we are. I'm nervous, but. I'm excited. I think where we are still leaves space for Miranda to have a storyline in which she discovers she might be queer. And Mm -hmm. I think that that interaction, the second interaction with Che is meant to evoke that. The first Mm -hmm. one, I was just laughing. I was like, oh, Miranda's got black mom energy. She's ready to fuck a bitch up. (laughs) Like, I was like, are they about to scrap? Like, at Big's funeral? I was like, fucking get it. I was like, I was living. I was like, I loved it. I think she said she was going to like cut her fucking head off at one point. I was like, Miranda, (laughs) Miranda is not, what she isn't going to do is live in a fantasy. And we already know that from the season six episode splat. Yeah. So she sent, (laughs) she sent Brady back home to Brooklyn Mm -hmm. and was ready to take her earrings off Mm -hmm. and go at it with Che. We should also say I thought the scenes of Sarah Jessica Parker and Cynthia Nixon were so beautiful <gasps> when she when goes they over were walking. when they're walking, but also when she goes over and they're at the door together and you can see mm-hmm. the paramedics in the back really getting ready to take big away and they just connect about what am I going to do or when she's rubbing her back in bed to so, like big would have, she's oh. instantly ready to fill that space for her. And I just thought, it's so beautiful. Of course, I was also reminded again recently watching interviews for this that these two have known each other since they were teenagers. They met working together and they've had this long working relationship and their scenes are just so beautiful. I do. I always wish that there was more of, you know, Carrie and the other girls. Or, and I do hope we get one good storyline in one of the episodes about Miranda and Charlotte outside of Carrie. I'd love to see them disagree about something, maybe in terms of this social justice and racial equality work Miranda's doing. Um, but I'd love to have another I choose my choice scene. Moment. Yeah, I, I would really like that a lot. Should we get into Miss Bradshaw so I can cry again? <sighs> Guys, this episode is long. We are going in. I'm, I mean, it was two episodes. I mean, it, it's also we watched two episodes and this is a whole new this. We should also have said at the beginning, again, we're editing ourselves throughout that this is a whole new format for us. Like, we're talking about it because we've never seen these episodes before. Exactly. It's more freewheeling. I feel like I, I'm not able to make as many connections just because I'm in some ways still processing this. And we're going to try to get these to you sooner rather than later. So yeah. just note that it's going to feel a little different because we know less. So let's get into Miss Bradshaw, shall we? Sam, she's an influencer. And I'm disgusted. Why? When she said, oh, I don't I'm think on she's my an inst- influencer. I think we're meant to, like, uh, when she's talking about, like, her Instagram getting off the ground, I was like, oh, no, 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 I don't want this. I I liked it. I thought Although it was I, like, well, you're an influencer. It shows I'm sure that you didn't like- feel disrespected. She's got a podcast and she's trying to get followers. <laughs> she's never been more like you. She's <laughs> I liked it because I liked that it's also this idea that she's what, like in her fifties, she's changing with the world. She's trying new things. And like, she's like not she as focused like, on writing. It seems anymore. 
No, because she's like, because that's why she dropped Samantha as a publicist, because she was like, books aren't what they used to be. Like, the writing yeah, is not. Yeah, but I mean, books, it's not like books aren't don't exist anymore. I don't, I don't think in the, okay, I agree with you. I'm just saying, like. I mean, I think I, this show would have you it. believe that in 2020, we burned books and the publishing industry doesn't exist anymore. Instead, it's like, no, no, maybe nobody wants to read your books anymore, Carrie. I think that that's what she was getting and at. And that's so sad. It is sad. Too many puns. So many if I puns. want puns now, I'll just look at a goddamn meme. I don't need Did to. you notice that she had a feather, like a bird in her, in her hat in the first scene, like a callback to the yes. her wedding? I loved that. I really did. So she's on this podcast. I think it's interesting that it's not her podcast. She's really, she's for hire. Um, mm-hmm. And in some ways, I couldn't help but wonder, has the security of being with Mr. Big and not really needing to work? changed her work ethic she can choose to do as she pleases because she's got a man who's gonna take care of everything and is willing to provide this great apartment let her keep her other she's not hustling in the way she used to she has seemingly unlimited income from what in terms of what what i'm gathering right but we meet shay diaz played by my queen sara ramirez i I'm obsessed. Shout out to Callie Torres, one of my favorite Grey's Anatomy characters of all time. I'm yeah. so sorry we had to endure the George years, but thank God for the Arizona years. Because <sighs> we were down bad with the George years. Uh, don't get me started on fucking George. The skipper of Grey's Anatomy. Bitch. Yeah, literally the worst. <laughs> oh, you would hate. You would hate George. I mean, I do too. I but I feel you would be very him. triggered by George. I hate him. And talk about like, a pick me, choose me, love me kind of guy. <laughs> like, fall off. remember that scene where he he and Meredith have sex and she can't stop crying. I think about that more I, than I should. And then he gets and then he gets pissed. At her. Okay, this is not a great night. Yeah, maybe it will be one day. Yeah. Shout maybe. out to the dip. <laughs> so you liked Che Diaz as a character? Loved, loved. Would you listen to that podcast? I no. would not. But. I like it. I like that she's Carrie's or they're Carrie's boss. I'm into it. Absolutely. What we should say and what I loved because I wrote this note and then but after I wrote the note, we had the elevator scene. I love the idea of exploring that Carrie is not comfortable talking about sex and making that really explicit. We've seen it in the show that she won't share as much as the other women, particularly even Charlotte, right? There's that great scene in the first movie where Charlotte says, Harry and I make love two to three times a week. And then Carrie says, well, like she doesn't really want to share. Big colors outside the lines. She writes a sex column, but to my knowledge, there isn't really explicit sex in the column itself. She's not writing sex scenes. It's about dating and how sex might impact dating. I love that the the idea that the culture has changed and it has so much that to have a podcast about sex and dating and not share your personal views and your life, like we're so much more about um, biography and making that your story now. Mm-hmm. You can't just observe others. It's about what no. you're going through. What are your experiences? Carrie's column wouldn't have a lot of cachet now, right? It's about her three friends and occasionally about her but it's she needs to become more introspective, and I mm-hmm. love that the show m- made what I was picking up on while they were recording, and just said, "Fuck it, we're going to say it out loud so that people really get it." 
And I like that Che talked about Carrie's article, her column. She was like, you had a sex column in the 90s. Like, you're an you, icon. You're an icon. Like, you can do this. It's just different now. And you can use your voice. No, well, she didn't say use like, your voice. She said. I can't remember the exact wording. Something about your pussy. She said. She pop said, your pussy? Your pussy up. She said, step your pussy up. Oh, yeah. Step it up. Not pop it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't pop your pussy. Step Maybe up you should. Pussy. In the club. Only in the club, guys. Don't pop your pussy at work. But you can step. Step, step it definitely work. and by the way i'm i'm taking Che's words to heart and i will be stepping my pussy up back at work next week i did not step it up today i don't think you need to do that because you are always stepping your pussy up. that's true my pussy needs to lean out actually yeah as i <laughs> once said i have leaned to... in far enough i've fallen over like i've gotta fall like get out you gotta maybe go back my pussy bit, needs but... to chill <laughs> I do want to say just one thing about the podcasting scene, and it may give okay. something away for later. And oh. frankly, I don't care. The okay. podcast producer was my man of the week. <gasps> Hot as hell when it cut to him. Holy shit. I, I was like, can we was follow like, oh. this man again? I was no. like, Arr. I was like. I was like, is he going to be a love interest of someone sometime? Because I'm in love with him. It's like somebody, guys, we don't cast a man that gorgeous not to show us more. Come on. I know. I literally was like, who is this man? Gorge. To quote Danny Pellegrino and Kathy Lee Gifford, everyone has a story. And I wanted to know his story. I want to know more than his story. Hey, yo. So let's move into Carrie and Big's domestic life. Oh, I have something really important that I want to discuss about this. Okay. Okay. So for me, one of the most telling scenes, because, you know, you and I, again, we've known Big was going to die. I didn't know when, but I knew it was happening. And Oh, I'll tell you when I knew. When he started singing, I was like, oh, that's a wrap. He's too yep. happy. He's way too happy. He's loving I was life. like, oh, no, he's dying this episode. Yeah, We're not have... waiting until episode three. No, they're like, they're, I was like, they're going to get us good. But for me, what really stuck out was that Carrie was the one in charge of the cooking. And that we've never seen that. And that was, to me, was like a foreshadowing moment of like, her now having to be in charge of that kind of stuff because he's going to leave. Because before, there's been so many scenes of them in the kitchen where he's salting the veal or he's, like, doing something and she's just sitting there peeling or, like, doing nothing. And this time it was the opposite. Like, she was in charge and she was the one salting the salmon and doing the pepper. And I was like, I feel like that was, like... And actively engaged. Yeah. They're more... For the first time, and I think you and I just talked about this a few weeks ago on one of the earlier episodes, it is strange that for a couple we love, like, collectively as a culture, we have never seen them in kind of their happy state. We see them completely unhappy throughout the series breaking up getting back together breaking up again he has a heart attack and tells her like basically get out they finally get together and the show ends we pick back up in the first movie shit show show. (laughs) he doesn't show up to the wedding yeah he's gone they don't talk for a year movie they get married movie ends Mm -hmm. the second movie she's displeased goes to abu dhabi we don't really hang out with big this one scene was almost like an answer to what we have all been wanting to see since 1998. I was so so happy to just see them finally on the same fucking page, communicating, being honest with each other when she said, 
hey, do you mind if we don't go until Friday? And he answered non-verbally. Mm-hmm. I thought they are at such a place of comfort where she can ask a direct question. Mm-hmm. He can give a direct answer and we just moved on. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we've ever seen them do that before. There is also a complete comfort with him not wanting to be a part of the day-to-day machinations of her friend life. And she's okay with it. He says he does not want to go. We don't hear in monologue, I was devastated. She's just going to like, all right, I'll text you when I get home. It was so nice. When she starts singing and he's that cheesy big and he had his little COVID pop belly, but he still looked good. Mm. I know. And they were talking about like the ritual that they've done over COVID. And I was like, I love them. They started it on the third day of lockdown, just listening to one of his old gross albums. And they go in alphabetical order. I love the idea that they haven't finished. They're not even close to finishing, right? That they're not even close to the end of the alphabet is such a great story representation of the idea that their love story is quite literally being cut off in the middle. We are not done because those albums aren't finished. (laughs) I mean, I'm emotional. Because we're talking about this in like the full context of like seeing guys, how this is just a show. It. It's twenty years. It's twenty plus years of our lives. <laughs> it was just really nice, and just the way that you described it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. I, I just think, <sighs> let's take a break. Okay. Let's break. <laughs> well, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Chris is again got to compose himself. <laughs> Can't do that. The best food in the world isn't on your typical delivery apps. It's right down the street in your very own neighborhood. With Chef, you can enjoy authentic dishes from over 90 different countries, freshly prepared by your local neighbors and delivered right to your door. With over 1 million dishes served, your local cooks spend hours preparing your meals with care plus attention you won't find anywhere else. Explore a world of flavor today at Chef.com. That's Chef with an S dot com. All right, guys, we're back again. I'm sorry about that. Um, it's just beautiful. I, I, I don't really know what else to say. I thought it was such a lovely scene that really felt like an answer prayered, a prayer oh, answered. Yep. Guys, I, I'm all over the place. Let's talk about Stanny. Oh, God. I don't think. <laughs> Which, by the way, is definitely going to pick me up. Yeah. Like, do you want to talk about this? So we get to the recital and what I, I love about this scene of them outside is it feels so comfortable like they have Mm -hmm. done this many many times yes and not to go back to the beginning but i am what i also loved is is that we got a sense of the life that they've lived these 11 years we haven't been with them yeah in the sense that carrie seems completely over going to like charlotte's children's things or hearing about brady like she's quick to change the subject when it's about brady she really does not want to go to this and yet when she's there you can see she has such a love for the children Mm -hmm. but there's i did love this idea that she's like i just really won't go to the hamptons like i really don't want to go to another one of these kids recitals but she's willing to do it because she loves Charlotte and the kids. And I just thought it was so sweet when she's into Lily's dress and says, oh, there are flowers on the back. Flowers on the back. Or how she, like, has 
um, Rose turn around and is so interested in how Rose put this outfit together. The idea of putting something over the dress. I just thought, oh, this is a real life and story and how Lily goes over to Brady and they have a little connection. I did think they were going to date and I'm really glad they didn't given... Brady does not need to be running through my girl Lily. Lily's got other things to do. She's trying to go to college. She don't want no scrubs. And yeah. let's be honest, Brady is a scrub. scrub. He is an ancient dude for sure. He's following in his father's footsteps. Mom! Oh my god. Um, no, I, I like that too. I like that the, the relationship they all seem very lived in. And I love that, right? Anthony, who's always been so close to Charlotte is talking to Carrie. You get a sense that because he's now married to Stanford, Mm -hmm. that they've had to forge a closer relationship. Anthony's confiding in Carrie about what's going on in their home, Mm -hmm. in a way. And when Stanny popped out of that car, and Carrie was so excited to see him, and is trying to be cutesy with him, and he's so mad, that she just, and she just says, all right, I guess that's not what we're doing. (laughs) Like, but she's trying to be so cutesy, like, ooh, Stanny, how you doing? And she's doing that kind of weird, strange, almost ghetto, inappropriate voice that, that she does, does occasionally yes. with him that we will talk about in my favorite episode when she says, oh, no, you didn't, to yeah. him at one point. And I'm like, but it's so great. And you can see the rapport between them. And yeah. I love that he says to her, have I kissed you yet? I know. I it's love just that. so great. And I, I just, I really, really thought it was such I, a special moment. I just want to know, like, what their thing is with him like what's going on with him because what do you mean they're they're not like with stanny like something is like his behavior like he's being not like it is interesting so he's only in one more episode so he's only in three episodes and then we're not going to see him again and according to michael patrick king he's not dead they did not want to kill the character of Stanford because they felt it was too heavy for the show. Mm-hmm. I completely get that now yeah. having seen the grief that is already in kind of built, built into this, t- these 10 episodes. Yeah. Um, however, I do think Stanford love him as I do. He's kind of on one. On one. I loved the scene between him and Anthony in the closet when they are trying to like, be there for one another, yeah. but he can't help himself. Be like, I hate your, per- I hate your cologne. Uh, cologne. However, he's so fucking rude at the funeral to that assistant. He is so rude. Like, to what her? the fuck is going on? But also, like, why is she sitting in a suit? There's names. I, I, I couldn't hear you. You, you're not there's, loud enough to there's, whisper. There's names on the seats. Well, yeah, there should be. Right. So why was she sitting there? I think she's in grief. We saw her crying later. <laughs> I know, but like, you can read. Yes. However, so let's actually just close out Stanny at the funeral and then go back. Because I want to talk about him saying she's the Jackie O of our time. I don't think I've ever laughed at a Stanford line more. It was so good. Than when he's like, she's weathering so much, but she still gave us an outfit. It made me sad because we're watching this funeral of Big, who's like so beloved. But we know that Stanford actually passes in real life. And we know that he was sick while filming. That I'm just like, it fucked me up. And if we get a season two, I fear we've got a second funeral ahead of us. And I don't think I can handle it. Who does? I think that if they come back for season two, they will have to address where Stanford is. They may have chosen not to necessarily address it in these 10 episodes. 
and they can just like have Stanford be busy. But I don't think if they decide to come back for a full another 10 to 12 episodes, we can just like not see him. Yeah. We're going to have to either address that he passed in between mm-hmm. or see his funeral. And it's just so sad. So sad. And I just, every moment with him and Sarah Jessica, I was just eating up. I loved that he also got to interact with the other women later and we'll get there. Mm-hmm. But we're at the funeral and we meet a few characters. What'd you think of Big's assistant? I, I kind of loved this woman, this salt of the earth, the secretary? normal person. Huh? Yeah, you could get the sense that why Big would like her and why she would like, like, you know, he probably flirted with her inappropriately and oh. kept her on, gave her great presents. This is the woman who we are to believe has been buying Carrie things. Like, remember when he sends flowers? Mm-hmm. She's probably been rooting for them. Like, I really like that one. I'm still going to send her flowers. Yeah, I love that idea. And I like this idea. I also have this theory that she's going to be like the Louise from St. Louis type of character in this this revival uh, right. no you think like, carrie's gonna give her an ugly bag too no but i feel like we're gonna this isn't the last we've seen of this woman like i feel like we're seeing no i think her. there's a nod of we have to go through his papers mm-hmm. and i think that's going to build us to natasha i will fucking die if he leaves natasha anything in the fucking will i wonder if there is a world in which big has not updated his will chris i have chills can we talk about the scene that made me cry harder than big stuff and I don't know why. Are you talking about the video? No. I'm talking Miranda about... Miranda speech? No. <laughs> like, okay. I don't know. <laughs> this, I don't know why this really got me, is when she was like, I don't want these flowers here. Who are they from? And then she opened up the envelope, and it just said, love, Samantha. And then she was like, okay, like, we can keep them. There was the moment, like, I cried, because I was like... Well, first of all, they were beautiful flowers. They were beautiful flowers. I love that the note just said, Samantha, that she couldn't really say much else. Mm-hmm. I had to give it a father-son house of Gucci. I was sobbing also. I was like, that's emotional. And then, like, when Miranda and Charlotte both realized that she sent them, it was like... It was this moment, and I was just like, God, I fucking miss her. And that's why I think the later scene that she's reached out multiple times undercuts it. I love that the flowers would have been, that Big's death and sending the flowers would have been a first point of contact, and that she's returning it. The other points of contact almost ruin it to me, the beauty of those flowers and that gesture. But I also also cried. I did. I I was really emotional. I'll tell you when I didn't cry. When we got a guest appearance from somebody else, I screamed. I know who you're going to say. Susan Sharon is back. And she looks amazing. amazing. I screamed. I realized that there are cameos coming that they kept from us. I know. I was like, Susan Sharon in the revival? No, I'm sure someone probably took a picture of Susan Sharon and we saw her and I just didn't give her another thought. A, she looks too different. And B, I was probably like, who's that? I think we knew. Like, I, that's what made me so excited. I loved it. I It honestly would have been enough for me had it just been the, are we really not going to talk about the fact that he treated her like crap? Just like, right, that audience idea, right? There is half the audience who genuinely is like, I really don't. There are people out there who hate Big and are happy to see him dead. I am not one of them. This isn't, this podcast isn't, we are not one of those people. Yeah, honestly, we don't acknowledge you people. <laughs> I mean, I just did. But yeah. honestly, I'd like to take it back, but I won't. Yeah. The second scene had me howling with laughter. This idea that she's held this grudge. It was so perfectly the original character of Susan Sharon. Oh, don't 
during the medley. And I knew the joke was coming, like the Carrie, I have no idea why she's mad at me. I knew it was coming and I did not care. I loved it. I loved it so much because it was a surprise. She's such an iconic character. I was like, we're getting so many good little nuggets in this show. And I can't wait to see like what we're they have to give us. And it made me excited at the idea that there might be other appearances that we haven't already been told about. Like, there is a world in which we do see Amelita Amalfi. I was just about to bring that bitch up. It's now open to us. We can dream. For yeah. the next eight episodes, I will dream that Amelita Amalfi might show up. Yeah. Who else would you like to see? Uh, I know who don't, you want to see. If you say it, Tweety Bird, I, I will Tweety. log off. I'm not going to say Tweety. I, you know what? Even though I talked so much shit about him, I wouldn't mind seeing Capote Duncan. <laughs> okay. In what world would he show up? I don't know. Like looking at. I thought we'd at least see him a few times in season one, but he just bopped out. I just, you know, I thought that that'd be funny. I would genuinely like to see Skipper. I really would. I know it makes you sick, but I think he's such a big part of the first season of the show. Are we seeing Aiden? It was certainly announced that, that he, he would be back. filming. Okay. And then we thought, remember, that he was wearing the shitty Chelsea boots. But now we have this potential love interest coming later that it could have been him wearing them. But it could still be Aiden. I'm um, not ready for I don't that. count him as a surprise just because he was announced as a cast member. Um, or um, of being a part of the show, not like a full-time cast member. But Amelita Amalfi, I'd love to see... I'd love to see in a world right John Slattery is the politician is somehow like the mayor. No, no, no. And I there was a moment at the funeral I saw a man with like gray hair and I was like, Well, I thought Big's brother at first was John Slattery. I was like, wait, is he here? Like I was like, is John Slattery gonna give a speech at this funeral? Had he and had he and Big been friends? No, but I, I also like this idea though at the funeral that like we got to see that Big had like a family. Like, he had a brother. I, I, re- I thought that was an actual really great choice. Like, mm-hmm. when we first meet his brother, I was a little like, well, we've never heard of him. But then I thought, well, this show is through the lens of Carrie. Right. Although I appreciate that there's an off-screen, some kind of backstage moment that Carrie actually enters with him, not with the girls, that they are bonded over this grief as the people who were the closest to King Big. Yeah. I thought that was so lovely. So yeah, basically the only person people I want to see are Amelita Amalfi and the politician. Yeah. I'm on Because apparently Mr. Broadway is dead. Did Nathan Lane just like not want to come to the sh- First, I thought the man in the ascot was Nathan Lane. I was like, oh God, here he goes again. I and then when shocked. it showed him closer, I was like, oh, he's dead. They were like, he's dead of COVID. I was so shocked by that. I don't know why. I guess I- someone had to die of COVID to make they had yeah. to have someone in the world. Yeah. And honestly, I don't want to say it, but I don't think Amelita Amalfi made it out of the pandemic. No. She's she on planes. Her, yeah. she, she's got things to do. She was probably in Italy. It was I, was, spot. I was about to bring Italy up, but I didn't want to. Yeah. So we end the first episode with Carrie in grief, having found Big Dead. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the hallway scene in the second episode. Okay. With her and Charlotte. I am so obsessed with this scene. I, it was the only instant, actually, no, when she finds Big Dead, that was an instant rewind. I had to watch that multiple times just because I thought it was also shot so beautifully. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, the, the idea when she, oh my God, when she comes in wearing the wedding shoes and she's wearing the white jacket 
And she asks him if he recognizes anything, and he does. And he says, those shoes are the start of everything. When he puffs on the cigar and he just smiles at her and looks at her, I was like, are you kidding? This man, guys, he's in our fucking heart, this big. He's in our heart. And I'm sure the audiences at home are like, yeah, we fucking know. This whole podcast is you talking about him. We're glad he's dead. But honestly, guys, I'm so sorry to break this news to you guys. But like now that we have lived through his death, we're going to talk about him a lot differently when we talk about past seasons. If you thought we were obsessed with him before... When we go back into season two, it's going to be big, big, more clubs, more big, to quote Lady Gaga. No sleep, big. (laughs) Fuck Aiden, big. Burger can go to hell, big. More clubs, big. I mean, we are going all out on my man. Yeah. Honestly, I kept hearing Barbara Streisand at the end of Funny Girl when I thought of him today. Oh, my man, I love him so. I really do. Oh my god. Okay. Where were we? We were oh, the hallway scene. The hallway. So Charlotte comes over and is upset that that she has invited Stanford and Miranda to help her open Big's ashes. Mm-hmm. Stanford, first of all, loved his outfit. He was fucking killing me in this scene. When he was like, mm-hmm. I can't hide. I would not be any good at that. <laughs> and then Miranda basically saying she asked you because she knows I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I loved it. Charlotte's hurt. They are in the hallway and Carrie and Charlotte have this moment of telling each other the truth. Charlotte can't help but feel guilty. Carrie's like, this is not about you. Mm -hmm. I feel guilty. Yeah. And she screams like I wanted to. Now, I know we talked about the family stone earlier, but I did watch it last night. And the way she screamed like I wanted to is so similar to I didn't know about yeah. him not him being allergic to mushrooms. Now are those mushrooms? I didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, did you not? Did you not think of it? I I mean, now that like you're saying it, that's all I I'm gonna be able to hear. Sarah Jessica Parker is, and again, I know we all I think of her as the greatest actress of all time. She makes such specific choices, and I think because Carrie is such an iconic character, we think of that as the only thing she can do. I beg everyone to go and watch The Family Stone. She's never been more different. But in that moment, I felt she made an acting choice that converged the two of them. I agree with you there. Now that you're saying it, I'm hearing it. I, yeah. Wow. Just, guys, go watch The Family Stone also. It's a great movie. It's a tough movie. So to close out and kind of get to the end of this, because we have been talking for way too long, and this is perhaps now the longest episode of this podcast. Mm -hmm. I was so moved and cried again at the end of this episode when she's in bed with Miranda and she asks if she can have another pill and Miranda says it's not time yet. And so she goes out and is staring at his ashes And the final line is, and just like that, I realized how long five hours could be. I thought that that is what grief is and moving on. It's not measured in steps or time. It's really just living in any given moment. And she just has to have let those seconds go by until she hits five hours so she can have another pill to help her sleep. It's not going to be this easy thing that can just be moved on quickly. And I felt it set us up perfectly for the next episode, I hope, that we aren't getting through this trauma easily. And it was just so representative to me of 
what I genuinely loved and struggled with in this new form Sex and the City is now in. And just like that, we are taking things more seriously. Yeah. This is not a show of cotton candy and running around New York City. These women are older. The stakes are higher. I mean, when Carrie talks about what am I going to do, mm-hmm. you can really envision a world where this might be it for her, right? Like yeah. the society is not kind to older women. Mm-hmm. She's struggling in her career. This man who was really the secure, not only the love of her life, but had provided this level of security mm-hmm. is gone. gone. And she has to just deal with it in the only way she can, which is this slow passing of time. Yeah, And so- Obviously, the first episode ends beautifully, and it's so impactful, but there's something so moving about this that second line. And just like that, I realized how slow five hours can go by. Well, I also think it's like a very real portrayal of grief, like very real portrayal of like when someone dies, not everyone has the same reaction. Not everyone is going to cry the whole time. Like she's in shock. She's processing what just happened to her. The love of her life died right? in her and, arms. And, and, and Steve says that earlier to Miranda. She's so strong. And Miranda says, is that a good thing? Right. It's a very deep show now. And I'm very invested. I'm glad that we're getting it. It just feels season. we aren't. And I gave this show shit for this is a new chapter. And I, I, by the way, I still think and just like that is a bad title. Yeah. But I do think retitling it, if this is the show they were going to make, actually is really true to the spirit because we should approach this show in a completely different way. I agree. Completely. I mean, the only person fucking on this show is Brady. Let's go. We got our new Samantha. Well, we sure. we thought it was... Charlotte is blowing Harry in the closet. Excuse me? In the, pre- in the preview. No, look, I was sobbing so uncontrollably, I think I just turned it off. Yeah, no, <laughs> the preview. Can't... The preview, she's There like... was a preview for episode three? Yes. For like yeah, the get upcoming, my on that. And yeah, she's like at lunch with Carrie, and she was like, "Why well, was she was talking about like blowing Harry?" And Carrie, was okay, like, but we, did we see it? I saw it with my eyes. I'm not making her this blowing up. Harry. No, she's talking about just it. her talking about it. Yes, and then and then <laughs> Carrie goes, "You still blow Harry?" Like it was a it's a funny thing. <laughs> oh my god! What? How dare us not talk about the masturbation scene? <gasps> I can't believe it almost slipped our minds. I'm upset. I, I have, okay, much like when Roman sent a dick pic to his father on succession, I had to pause the show when I genuinely thought for a moment Big was going to masturbate in front of, I was like, I was like, oh, we're about to cut. And I mean, then we'll just did. assume he masturbated. But then it didn't cut. And I was like, are we about to watch this man masturbate? Yeah. And, and of course did. I was a little turned on, but I had to like, you know, recontextual. I needed to pause. Just I had to get my bearings. But- I had to pause it because I thought I misheard her. Like I thought I misunderstood what she said. And then when he grabbed the lotion, I was like, "It was." He didn't say lotion. He said lube. Yeah, baby. He was, he's like, "I'm not 18 anymore, baby." I was like, "Oh my god!" He was using. He was doing a lot of voice work. He was he also was like, me. "Hey, Mr. Senator, I don't want." I was like, "What's going on?" Big's gotten a little loosey goosey in his mm-hmm. old age. I'm yeah, feeling he's it. He's feeling loose, and he's. Fit. I'm so glad we circled back to that. I'm really glad we touched on that. Thank you for bringing that up. Okay, what was your favorite look of the episode? Chris, I, I mean, I so loved many. so many. I had so many. 
I thought Carrie looked stunning in the look she wears to see the recital. I thought that was my favorite Carrie moment. Uh I loved Miranda's opening dress. I loved the floral Oscar looks from all the girls, all the the golden black girls. But my favorite was Naya. I mean, she, that first outfit she wears to, to teach more, 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 baddie, baddie energy. My favorite look was probably the look, that Carrie wears like when she first is like when we first uh, I genuinely thought you said Harry I was like huh, huh. Harry Harry the helmet um no <laughs> like, I, really, I mean he looked good I really liked the first outfit that we saw her in I thought she looked really amazing like with the hat and it just felt very Carrie and I watched an interview with Sarah Jessica Parker and they were she was being asked to um wrote like rate the clothing or weigh in on them and she said it would be hard for her to do because the clothing particularly in this show tells such a story and so it would be hard for her to share anything about them or why where carrie is without having you know what's going to happen Mm -hmm. and i think that's why we saw some of the looks that we were going crazy over the internet is i think we're about to see carrie spiral Mm -hmm. and we're gonna see her rise yeah it was a her funeral look was a very traditional carrie silhouette like that type. I loved it. I mean, I felt like exactly skirt. like Stanford. I was like, good. She's, she's and Jackie still she o. rises. Yeah. She's our Jackie O, our Jackie Kennedy. All right. Now, I told you the man I would sleep with. It was the podcast producer, a strange character, but guys, get your eyes on it. Yeah. <laughs> but we've got Big, we've got Stanny, Marcus, Harry, Brady, Steve, the other Mr. Preston. We've got Jackie, the, uh, the guy who was on the podcast with Carrie. If I had to pick someone who wasn't the podcast producer, you know, a character who spoke, honestly, I'm not picking Big just because... Wow! I I can't do that to you guys as listeners to continue to pick this man. Okay. I thought Steve looked really good. Couldn't understand him. Thought he had marbles in his mouth. Again, David Eigenberg, come on the podcast. And he was just making me laugh, not being able to hear. He looked really good. I am always down to come with Steve. I wish Steve had been fucking instead of Brady. I was um, very, very attracted to Dr. Naya Wallace's husband. Oh, I thought you were going to say Dr. Naya Wallace. Her as well. And by the way, let's be very clear. Yeah. I would like to extend this to women. And if that's the case, you know my girl Wexley. LTW, baby. LT dubs. Yeah. Um, what is your, I'm sorry, I can't, don't hate me. Okay. Oh. I'm sorry, I can't, don't hate me. The trolls to this show. Oh, absolutely. You guys, get off the internet. I'm sorry. Stop talking about the, these women, what they look like. They look better than any of you. And I know I called them worms earlier in this podcast. But that's a joke. But that was a joke. And it was in comparison to the two most beautiful black women I've ever seen. <laughs> outside of the Real Housewives right. of Potomac. Yeah. These women are stunning, gorgeous queens. They are back. They are delivering us this new story that I'm, frankly, already obsessed with. Obsessed. And I just don't want to hear anything about how the show feels different and then looks different. And, oh, my God, they're not having sex. Where's Samantha? This show is what we've got. You fucking watch it and you like it. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I'm really over people hating things just to hate them. I'm really over it. It's not interesting. It's not funny. You're not smart. You're not giving us a different take. Like you're just shitty and you need, you need to go touch some grass. And if you are one of those people, probably don't listen to this podcast. Do you have any hot takes? My hottest take is probably that 
I felt like we moved on so quickly from big dying to now like we're planning a funeral. I was like, Whoa. well, I don't think we'll, we have to remember we've got new scenes we're seeing in Paris. I don't think we've moved on. I think emotionally <sighs> as an audience, we are going to be pulled back. Oh, God. oh baby. We went <gasps> to Paris. When they did the flashback of him and turning around and looking <gasps> at her in the bar. Fuck me. How did we not talk about that? I Jesus had, Christ. We're at a minute. We're in an I hour had, and 40, but let's chills. talk about it. You mean the flashback at the top of episode two of when he yes. touched her? I yes. thought that was such a beautiful like choice because it's her waking up because she has this flutter of her heart remembering him. But then it's also the way he touched her heart and he had a heart attack. There's something so circular about that choice of like how he impacted her heart. And it was his heart that took him out obsessed. What a great choice. What a perfect choice of a clip. Because I was like, then we're going to get more clips like that, I think. Like, we're going to get more look backs. We're, we're not getting get... more looks back. We've got new footage. Okay? We're getting at least an episode that includes new footage of them bopping around Paris. We're not done with Big. I think we're going to start seeing her date and she's going to have a freak out moment and have conjure these images of Big and their last trip to Paris. And you and I are going to be emotionally on the floor. Um, what would you give it out of 10? A nine. The two episodes. Nine and a half. Both? Yeah. I would give the first one a nine and a half. I just think for that ending alone, it's so beautifully directed, stunning, gorgeous. The choice of taking away narration from us and then adding it right at the end was so impactful. Yes. The second one, I would give an eight. So I do want to be very clear. We have now just rated these two new episodes higher than we have rated anything we have seen from the original series. We are, and just like that, stands. Stands. And we are leading and trying to love this new version of the show. And we hope you guys will too, and that you'll listen to us as we talk about this, because I just don't want to, I don't want to spend eight more weeks saying, where's Samantha? No, it's like boring. What else is there to say? She's not on the show. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week on Wednesday covering the season two episode, The Cast System, and then on Friday to discuss the third episode of In Just Like That, When in Rome. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Shortcomings wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out the other podcasts from The Dip, TV Watch Repeat, Pop Chaser, But Now We Said It, and of course, Hot Off The Mess. You can follow us online. I'm at CLewis1219 on Instagram. Sam, where are you? I am at Bravo Historian on Instagram, and I'm at There's Often Twitter. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Okay, so we have the car payment, the rent, utilities, and the repair bill. <sighs> what should we do? I know. I'm going to CashNetUSA.com. I can apply in minutes, get an instant decision, and if approved, we could have the money in our account as soon as the same business day. When you need money fast, be the hero. Go to CashNetUSA.com to apply for the money you need now. The exact timing as to when your loan funds will be available will be determined by your banking institution. Money is the number one cause of stress and the number two cause of divorce. Make your money go further and work harder with a certified financial planner from Facet Wealth. Financial planning used to focus on retirement, but Facet helps you with today. You get a dedicated financial planner that guides you through every financial decision. Inflation, interest rates, stock market changes, home prices... 
How do you figure it all out? Well, every advisor at FACET is a certified financial planner and fiduciary. That's just a fancy way to say they have the best training, and they're legally bound to do what's in your best interest. This isn't just about investments. It's about taking care of your money so you can start living a better life today. FACET has a simple flat fee, no hidden charges, and with nothing to sell, there are no commissions. Visit TryFacetWealth.com for two months free off your first year of financial planning. That's T-R-Y-F-A-C-E-T Wealth.com. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice.